Rise Smile Films, the film review podcast that mixes cinema with fine spirits. Journey with us as we encounter new, old, and even strange films with the occasional dabble into sports and music. Proceed with caution, as these podcasts will feature spoilers and some mature language. This is Matt. And this is Jesse. Today on tap, we have Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, starring Ben Affleck, Henry Cavill, Amy Adams, Jesse Eisenberg, and Jeremy Irons, directed by Zack Snyder. It's a stellar cast. This you know, must be a terrific film. You know, last week I wanted to laugh. This week I want to, like, throw up after mm-hmm. saying that. Welcome back to Rye Smile Films and week two of DC Rotka. The torture continues. Uh, Matt, yeah, just just go ahead and get started. We are continuing on with the Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey mm. and our Peanut Butter and Jelly Cocktail. Oh, I swear, shoot. Yeah, I, I, sw- I swear if, if this cocktail starts popping up in bars, I we, we want some credit for it. Mm-hmm. I don't know who would want to drink this, though. <laughs> I could see this playing at college frat party or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Hey, here's your fraternity with this shit footy smelling drink. Not footy. Yeah. Oh, uh, excellent. Yeah, well, today's film, yeah, Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice from 2016. This is going to be a very interesting conversation as we continue on with the film that was kind of meant to be the linchpin to really start DC's cohesive cinematic universe with the introduction of Batman into the world established by Man of Steel. And we'll kind of let you know, maybe just from being in the DC Rocket category, you're going to kind of know that this isn't a winner. No. And Matt, did you did you know, I think early on with this, I'll kind of just mention this now, that um, this was originally slated to open on May 3rd, 2016. But there was another film coming out that same day, Captain America Civil War. And they kind of got into like a stalemate and were like, well, who's going who's gonna to budge first to get off this release date? Wow. And it was DC that moved to March of that year to kind of give it some some legs. But I, I have some more on that later. But that's kind of going to be the story in the nutshell is trying to play catch up when you are so far behind. Right. Well, let's just get right to it with our, our flight question. Well, there's no better way to play catch up than do like 20 films in one. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's what you and I would do. Exactly. Sure. Yeah, let's just yeah, let's just put it all in one go and <laughs> hope for the best. Right. Well, let's start with the flight question, being that, you know, we saw Batman and Robin last week, and just kind of looking at Batman, we got a new Batman film that started production this week, actually. Oh, cool. And so to kind of look at everything that's come before, we have Ben Affleck in this film today. So I thought it would be a fun to kind of just rank the Batman actors and you know we'll have everything. Uh, I think I think we gave you. Um, I think we're going with seven. So, Clooney, Kilmer, Affleck, Adam West, Kevin Conroy, Michael Keaton, and Christian Bale. I'll just go ahead and let you do all of yours all at once, and then then I'll go. Worst to first. Worst to first. The worst is Val Kilmer. Okay. Um, I don't think he looked the part, and he's handsome enough. I just never really thought. Batman should be blondish. Mm. Um, I guess I'm not really a huge Val Kilmer fan either. And he didn't have a great movie or a great run in that role. Uh, he's he's my lo- he's my least. Okay. Um, second to that, this might be a. Yeah, I'm gonna go with Affleck. I don't even really hate him as Batman. I think he had very little to work with. Mm-hmm. 
and his when I'm in the cowl so I can be disguised by my voice, drop it an octave, mm-hmm. is the worst of all of them. And the thing about him in that film He's is puffy. He's really he is. <laughs> he is. And it's weird because he's actually in pretty good shape. You can see when he's doing the pull ups and working out yeah. with like hitting the tire with the sledgehammer he, and that whole bit. Because that's gonna work against Superman. Superman. <laughs> um He's actually in good shape, but the suit, the suit is bulky. And this is also another maybe difference in Batman between you and I. Okay. I don't like the small-eared cowl. Okay. I like a spending, ascending spires, gothic architecture cowl. Okay. So that's, the, it just looks ridiculous to me. <laughs> um, okay, so then where are we at? I like Adam West, but it's laughable. So there you go with Adam West. Mm-hmm. It's iconic, but iconically bad. Okay. Okay, mm-hmm. enough there. Probably Clooney checks in the next. Mm-hmm. We've talked about this. He had nothing to work with. Yeah, no shot and to succeed. Took, <laughs> but as far as the Bruce Wayne thing goes, he was living the life of Bruce Wayne at that time. Definitely. And admitted it. Mm-hmm. I'm a playboy. There's no reason. Like he and Derek Jeter yeah. had it figured out. <laughs> Derek Jeter. Do you know what? Like yes. Derek Jeter came out and said, well, I'm at this power in my life and there's all of these potentials out there. I'm mm-hmm. not going to lock down anybody. I'm going to go ahead and be a playboy. Mm-hmm. And if you frown in my direction, I guess I don't care. Yeah. Because I've got her to make me feel better about it. And there's a lot of hers. Exactly. Okay. So Clooney's the same thing. Batman performance, nothing to work with. You know, and they wanted to go with an older Batman for this film. Clooney might have been better. An interesting choice for this film. Yes. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, one more reason why, well, we'll get to this later. Yeah. yeah. The, the choice of an older Batman. Don't, we're going to get oh, to yeah. it. Yes. Um, Michael Keaton, iconic, great, has the look. And when the cow's on, this is going to sound crazy, but no, when the cow's that's on, part of it. the bottom half of your face has to work. Definitely. It does. And I think, I think the suit has to fit the bottom part of your face as well. Okay. Well said. Mm-hmm. Okay. Agreed. Mm-hmm. And then, Kristen Bale is the best. Mm-hmm. Oh, did I, I'm sorry. Kevin Conroy is the voice. Yeah. Uh, Number two for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I don't know anything about voice acting other than when it works, it works. And when it doesn't, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. Everything that he voiced over, which you just rattled off a couple more that I didn't even know he did. You know, all the Arkham games, which are excellent. Really, really yeah. good. You, you know what he did one time? He did, um, he was on a this YouTube show and he, read the final monologue from the dark Knight that Batman gives, but in his Batman voice. Yeah, that's cool. It's really cool. And then Bale. Bale's number one for you. He's a mess on set from everything that I've heard and hard to work with. Yeah. And we've played some audio about him freaking out on set about the <clears throat> gaffers and just, uh, I think he works well with Nolan though. Like I think they, they get each other. Like we talked a lot in our one shot this week on the best movies never seen directors working well with a certain actor. And I think Verhoeven had that with Schwarzenegger. Right. Yeah. So I think it's, it's kind of the same thing here too. Very well said. The Mm -hmm. difference, the the top three Mm -hmm. are so much further ahead of everybody else. Sure. Uh, It's almost like playoff teams versus lottery teams. (laughs) Excellent. So that's my rankings. Okay. Um, Bail at number one. Excellent. The bottom of my list, I, I have to go Clooney just because he just had no shot and he's in the worst film of, I don't know, maybe after today's conversation, he's maybe not in the worst film. <laughs> but yeah, he didn't have a shot. And I, I like him as an actor, and I, I wanted him to to kind of succeed in that. But he right. just he just has no shot. I'm with you, Affleck, at number two. Yeah, and it's nothing against him as an actor, and he's really grown into his own as a filmmaker with Argo and The Town. Uh, maybe They Live By Night or 
Maybe they live by night. They something by night. That film noir one that he did that that wasn't really great, but yeah, it's nothing against him. But yeah, I don't I don't like the Batman he gets to play. But I'm gonna save that for the episode. And yeah, yeah, pretty puffy in the in the in the suit. Mm-hmm. I I I kind of dig Kilmer a little bit more than you, and I'll tell you why is because Kilmer like as a personality is kind of a bit much and kind of an ass. Bruce Wayne kind of has to have a little part of that, and in Batman Forever, he's. He wants to give the cowl for a life of love. He doesn't want Robin to kind of be involved in this life. And he's really intense about it. So I think that fits that Bruce Wayne that he got to play in that film. Okay. Um, yeah, lower part of the cowl. I think it works pretty well for him too. But yeah, kind of a nightmare to work on set with as well. I like Adam West, but it's it's campy Batman. You know what you're getting with that. You're getting that delivery, um, like holy bat this and shark repellent and whatnot. Yeah. But there's a certain charm to that. I'm going Kevin Conroy next for uh, three. He's great. He's got the best Batman voice. Uh, he sounds natural as Bruce Wayne, uh, brooding and uh, intense as Batman. He's great in those games. He's done all the animated series. He's done some of the movies too, like The Killing Joke. And he's just, he's really good at it. He has that, he has that down on lock. <laughs> I'm going Bell at number two. I think Bell um, as Batman is the most complete version of the character or the most arc-centered version that we've gotten to see on film with kind of the the beginning, the fall, and then the rise of this character at different states in his life, which is very fascinating. Other of the Batman actors, we kind of just get a glimpse into them at this specific time. Mm-hmm. And I think we're probably going to get that again, too, in... Uh, in this new Batman with Robert Pattinson, I don't think we're going to get like the origin again, or at least I hope we don't, but kind of like a glimpse at him in the beginning of his crime fighting career. So yeah, I've always liked Bill and I think he, he embodied an intensity with the character that hadn't been shown in some of the other actors. Like he, he looks kind of terrifying as Batman, but I got to go Keaton number one. And primarily for what you said is it, the suit works with him but of all the Batman actors that I don't think look like Bruce Wayne or my idea of Bruce Wayne, it's him. Mm. But when he he has a sadness and a tragic sense to him when he works as Bruce Wayne, and when he's in the cowl, I think he's terrifying enough. Because Michael Keaton, if I see him walking down the alley, I'm probably not going to be scared of Michael Keaton. No. But in the suit, he becomes an embodiment of the Dark Knight that you kind of would be terrified of. Okay. So I've always bought that uh, with him. He, he has my favorite bat suit too, which his shoes, if you didn't know this, were actually Nike cross trainers. Like, and then they, they, they molded them into the suit, mm. like for the boot. So yeah, that's, that's my list. I'm anxious to see what Pattinson does with, with the role. I think it, what it boils down to, as we talked about last week and in this film, what type of Batman are they writing for him to play? You know what I mean? Because the actor can be phenomenal. Like you can put a great Academy Award winning actor in a role, but if they're playing a shit character, it's going to come out that way too, in my opinion. We're going to find out a lot about Robert Pattinson. He's going to get another iconic lead mm-hmm. role, and we're going to see if he can deliver with an impossibly unsatable group of people that want to kill every iteration of Batman regardless. It could be... Sir Lawrence Olivier, they'd kill. I mean, you name it. They, they, everyone has an issue with mm-hmm. that. So we're going to find out a lot about him. Just 
hypothesizing here. Mm -hmm. He can't be a rough and tumble Batman, though. This has to be a lot more sleuthy and intellectual. Well, he's he's because he just doesn't have the. He's very slender. Well, okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. Doesn't have the the body to pull that off. Yeah. So, yeah, it could be really interesting how that looks. I want to ask you a question though: of all the previous Batman that you mentioned, okay, who do you think is the most talented? Not in the Bat role. As who's the actor? most act? Who's the best? Give me the top two actors. Who are the most talented two actors there? Probably Bale and Clooney, and then Keaton at three, in that order. Because mm-hmm. that's probably what I would say too. Yeah. Okay. Which is such a shame. Like, yeah, like, yeah, Clooney. Like after this, like, kind of slays in many different types of roles. Whether it's Three Kings, I really like The Perfect Storm, a film like. Um, you know, you have Syriana and Michael Clayton, and I love the Ides of March. I know you do, too. I love it. Yeah, so he kind of showed it. And even, like, comedically in films like Burn After Reading, he showed that he had kind of, like, a fun range to play with. Yeah, it's such a shame that didn't work out for him. Great list. I like yours. Yours, too. Excellent. Well, cheers. Cheers. Cheers to your foot drink. Mmm, <laughs> grape feet. This is like Melissa Leo trying to, like, brainwash us in prisoners. This what I was is- going to say is we couldn't even get... Um, like good grape soda. This is like generic grape soda this week. It's all they got. It's kind of hard to find. <laughs> I told you. Yeah. I had to go to three stores to find that crush last week, but we couldn't even use crush this week. And I don't even know how you could just like drink like a whole thing of it. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Maybe but that's fo- a statement on what's coming in the next hour. Maybe Oof. funny question or funny statement though. I went to the gym this morning and in the parking lot was a screwball whiskey like van. And I was like, I can't escape the crap anywhere. It's just following me. Chasing you. Yeah, like like, like a stinky fart. <laughs> or feet. Or stinky feet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I think time now more than ever. Let's get into happy hour time and our review breakdown of Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. That's how it starts. The fever, the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men. Can I just say right off the bat, a positive of the film? Sure. I started with the positive last week before it gets really terrible. (laughs) I love Jeremy Irons as an actor. Okay. Like uh, whether it's Simon Gruber in Die Hard 3 or the voice of Scar or in, have you ever seen Dead Ringers with Cronenberg? Oh yeah. He's always great. And I I kind of like him as Alfred. There's a problem though, because I don't think him and Affleck have much chemistry together between Bruce and Alfred. Like, I don't get the history there that you get kind of with Bale and Michael Caine, like kind of knowing each other for a long time. He's a real different Alfred for me. He's a lot more involved sure. in the the tech. Okay. Right. The mm-hmm. tech. Now the Michael Caine character and the Nolan stuff sort of plays that role, but <clears throat> in this Alfred is younger mm-hmm. and he looks younger. I think when you take, Ben Affleck, and then you pair him with with Irons, mm-hmm. there's just an actor wall that is created with both of them. Sure. Jeremy Irons is just really big on screen, and I think it has to do with his voice. Oh, his voice is great. So when he's in his voice, and then when Batman is interacting with him in the bat suit, and he's got to drop it, so this is my disguise, it looks like a knockoff and of what Irons does naturally mm-hmm. to me. And that was super distracting. And to echo your sentiment, yes, I never believed that these two were close at all. They seemed, at best, 
a business partnership, but not that father-son yeah. caring role that is such an essential piece of the Batman mythos between those two two gentlemen. Or they just kind of tolerate each other. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into this psycho story. So the film starts out with something that we've never seen before on film, the killing of Bruce Wayne's parents. Matt, are you about as tired uh, as me of seeing this play out in many different iterations? Yeah. Two things we don't need to see anymore. We've talked about it. I never need to see the spider bite, and I never need to see the massacre in the alley of Bruce Wayne's mm -hmm. parents. We get it. Well, yeah, and if you don't, then there's plenty of places where you can get it. Kids that haven't been conceived yet know it. <laughs> and Zack Snyder's choice to use the camera the way he does in this, like the, the I mean this, mm -hmm. The worst shot in this movie is the gun with the pearls hung up on the pearls that as it's fired, the recoil causes the the strand to snap and the pearls to go everywhere. That's stupid. Mm. What a dumb shot. It's too poetic. Uh, over something that, you know, we've all heard that poem a hundred times. Mm -hmm. You Like if you just have the Waynes walk out of the theater that night and the villain approaches, you don't need to do another thing. You know what I would have liked to have seen? Because this is set up earlier where Bruce walks by a Robin suit that has spray-painted ha-ha jokes on you, Batman. What if that was the opening scene? Him not saving Robin from the Joker. and Because Batman's whole thing in this is kind of the failures of the past, and he doesn't want to fail again, so he's got to do. He's got to be preemptive about it. Show that in your opening scene, then, in that exact instance where you have regret of a past failure and it'd be something we hadn't seen before on film Zack snyder's gonna try to do something with the parents of batman that hasn't been done and that's make his mom matter <laughs> and i know we're gonna get to this because i that we'll, i don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves sure sure but in this sequence mm -hmm. is there not <clears throat> some place where her name is iterated or called out to sort of at least prep <clears throat> the audience for the importance of that name mm -hmm. Give me a break, but that name later on. Nope. We got 15 stories that we have to introduce in the first act. So let's skip the turning point of the second act, mm -hmm. which is what's going to change the title of the film into film number six. I can't even tell you what the beats are in this film. Oh, God. Like, no way. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but like, that is a crux where. I, I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. But, you know, um, he doesn't say Martha holding nothing. Nothing. And so you don't get the buildup of the importance of that name because maybe it's not important, but it is in the movie. So, man, come on, Zach, set it up. The movie thinks it's important. It, well, it so quells the storm of, like, Superman's death. Yeah. And don't even – I said I wasn't going to curse on the podcast. Yeah. And I've been pretty good about yeah, it. you've been good. But I'm going to – I'll give you a mulligan. That is so fucking preposterous. Which part? That whole fight sequence that you're going to oh, get to. Let's get to it. Let's oh my god! Already, you yeah. want to go? There? No, no, no. We got oh. a lot of. We got a lot of. Uh, I'm like you're skipping 15 stories. Let's get to the opening of the film, which is the arrival of the Superman, but this time from Bruce Wayne's perspective. Now, I know a lot of people and critics out there have said a lot that they really like this scene, and this scene offers a different perspective on, um, you know, looking at a bat, uh, the, this battle and this destruction. I want to pump the brakes right there on a lot of people that say that because what this is doing, and I'm going to mention this twice on the podcast, is what I like to call backtracking. Man of Steel's release was shrouded in controversy or outrage over just the, and I've mentioned this before, the inconsequential damage and falling of buildings and casualties that we don't even really care about. 
this is this film's response to that to show, oh, no, there was casualty and constantly. And I'm like, wait a minute, you can't just go and backtrack the entire last film because some people called you out on it. Right. You know what I mean? So I'm troubled by that because... I thought about you last night when I was watching that. Yeah. Because when Superman came out, that Mm -hmm. was your first criticism to me is there's buildings coming down and there's this massive collateral damage and nobody's hurt. Yeah. And I did realize last night, I've only seen this film twice, the first time and this time, but it's felt like 15 times. Okay. Because it's so long. Mm -hmm. Which is credit to you to three hours of it. (sighs) Man. Good job, Jesse. I thought, well, at least Jesse's criticisms of that are addressed because we do see oh there was some casualty to zod and superman destroying metropolis Mm -hmm. but the way like again you're spot on here Mm -hmm. it's too late man like it just seems it seems schlocky and cheap and then what it seems and i I know whatever to Zack snyder he's a great visual filmmaker i guess but like but he's not messing with the story you know this is goyer and chris terrio and more on that here in just a little bit but I, I want to say that had there not been criticism and backlash against that moment, that this wouldn't be the opening scene of the film. Like, I don't think there would be a need to address it from Bruce's perspective. So I'm going to ask you a question. Okay. Why is Bruce even there? Well, apparently he has a building in Metropolis, which another contrivance of this film is that for whatever reason, Metropolis and Gotham City are like a bay apart. It's like Oakland and San Francisco in this film. No, they're not. Well, not yet. Yeah, not in how I've ever pictured it, but in right. this in this film, it is. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that to you. Yeah, no, they're, they're just not. Yeah. How many contrivances can you build into this movie to sort of make sure the inner web of your universe is working or the conflict? Yeah, because you just didn't do a good job of setting up <clears throat> what you needed to do to build an expansive Marvel-like universe. And mm-hmm. the other thing that's really frustrating, mm-hmm. there was a blueprint to do it. Yeah, Marvel had already laid out the groundwork on how you do this. Yeah. Let's be real frank. Yeah. It's the same revenue model with essentially the same cast of characters, just in a different company. Yeah. If, so set it up. If Man of Steel was supposed to be Iron Man, Batman versus Superman, Donna Justice is like Avengers Age of Ultron. Like they just skipped like 10 films to get to something. You know what I mean? To me, I've always looked at like Gotham is New York mm. yeah. and Metropolis with the industrial component that seems to be in Metropolis of like a Detroit those are not a bay apart. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the fact that he has a building in Metropolis that he wants to just go check on is as absurd as the fact that he would even have a building there. Mm-hmm. There's people that have buildings all over. Yeah. And tycoons like that don't just, I'm going to make a stop in to see how the building is. And it, <laughs> All right, I'm getting frustrated. Go. No, it's okay. So let's get out of there. So the building falls. He's pissed. There's a lot of collateral damage. So now he has beef with Superman. Cut to 18 months later, and we pick up with Lois Lane in Pakistan, or I don't even know where she's at, looking for weapons. So this is plot like number number one here that we're gonna gonna roll with because we're watching Iron Man, right? Exactly. Man, I want to ask you. Do you know who this this fellow person she's with is? Because it's not told to you in the theatrical version. That's Jimmy Olsen. Oh, really? Yeah. Who's just like gunned down by these terrorists. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. It's mentioned in this extended cut, but not... Why cut that out? Why cut that out? not going to cut out all the other excess, but that one, oh, we we can't save that one. Might as well at least mention him. You don't have to worry about writing him any further. Yeah, he's a nondescript character. You would never know. It might even give the scene a little bit more gravity. Sure. Because, oh my gosh, they just killed Jimmy Olsen. (laughs) 
that came across as sort of sarcastic and I didn't mean it to be. At least some, going back to what we said with Superman, lots of collateral damage and no, none of it matters. Mm -hmm. Jimmy Olsen biting the dust at least matters a little bit. Mm -hmm. So then we start moving really, really <laughs> fast here and getting into a lot of different plot lines. I kind of tried to list them all last night. Are you okay if I kind of just read them off? I'd love to hear it. Okay. So we have Lois looking for weapons, black market weapons, or this black market cell that's kind of working for Lex Luthor. We have random things of Superman saving Metropolis and saving things all over the world. This isn't in the your version, but there's this whole subplot in my version of Clark investigating Batman, like going into Gotham and doing investigations. That plays out to really nothing. Bruce looking for kryptonite, the white Portuguese, and branding people in prison? Yeah. Lex trying to sell the kryptonite to the government. The senator's making motions about Superman and then trying to block the import license for Lex. Wonder Woman walking about looking for something. Luther trying to blackmail Bruce. The nightmare sequence. Mm -hmm. Creating a doomsday monster. And then, I think last of all, the Justice League QuickTime files that they find on the computer. It's a lot of movies. It's a lot of movies. Some of those I don't want to see either. And some of them don't really play out. Like, because, okay, so this extended cut is 30 minutes longer than what you watched. And there's this whole thing of Clark writing fairies, going to Gotham, investigating people. And how does that play out to anything in the film? It doesn't. Yeah. There's a lot of questions. I guess if you want to boil that down, this story should be Lex, the government, and kryptonite. Like, I think that is what this is supposed to sure. be. Mm -hmm. The problem, though, if you roll that out, is you cannot have the Lex that you've chosen to use as Eisenberg because he looks like some version of a slightly formally dressed skater tweaker <laughs> who is this mastermind. And that's not the Lex. There's a lot of Lexes out there from Gene Hackman to Kevin Spacey to You Want to Go On. Mm -hmm. None of them, none of them are Jesse Eisenberg's version. He's young, he's insignificant, and for all of the aspects that the villain would take on the hero and give the hero some pause, like this might be a formidable opponent, Lex has none of them. Boys, mm, Bruce Wayne meets Clark Kent. Ah, I love it, I love bringing people together. How are we? Lex. Hello, good. Hi, hello, Lex, it is a pleasure. Ow, wow, that is a good grip. You should not pick a fight with this person. Is he like playing the Riddler? Like, what's he doing? Okay, I was just going to ask you the same thing. Is this Lex pretending to be the Joker? Well, I got to tell you too. So I found out on doing some research, the Riddler and the Joker were also supposed to be in this film on top of everything else. They should have put him in there. It wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> One more thing. And then what's, what's up with that weird thing where he like sticks the jo Jolly Rancher in that dude's mouth because he's like trying to like get get some bribes from him, this senator man? I, <laughs> what was? And you know about the proclivities in Congress. You know exactly what that's about. Yeah, Jesse. and he's like Mark Cuban, like with his basketball court, like LexCorp Empire. Yeah, like what Lex Luthor is this? It's it's so distracting and I don't see the, the purpose of having him being young Lex. And for all of the moments in this movie that are brooding and dark mm -hmm. and gray, <clears throat> mm -hmm. he is this weird comical levity disguised as insanity and genius and towing the line between the two of those that just doesn't work either. Mm -hmm. That whole movie is one great big two and a half to three hour long brood fest. Mm -hmm. It is just grim, 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 
Lex light in stupid boy. Look at the grip on that one. Like that whole bit that you just heard <laughs> is so out of place. Lex needs to be controlled and calculating. And instead what we get is petty, impulsive, and I'm going to say it wimpy. Mm-hmm. He's such a pussy. Can I say he needs to be brooding and a businessman? Maybe kind of like Walter White, Brian Cranston. Yes. Who was considered for this role and they did not go with him. Which is stupid because Breaking Bad is obviously generating tons of money and people would have flocked even more to see that. Let's talk about Chris Terrio because right before this, he wrote one a film that made your top decade list, Argo. I think yeah. he won the Oscar for that actually. A screenplay? So here he is tasked with, because he's in the Warner Brothers bullpen at this point, to kind of come do some work. David Goyer left the kind of the blueprint for this thing. And I don't know at one point where Chris Terrio's name's ahead of him. So I think he has more contributions to this screenplay. Usually the way it goes, yeah. David Goyer in 2006 said Batman versus Superman is is where you go when your franchise is on its last gasp. Wow. Yeah. So Really? Yeah. So why was he ever involved in the project to begin with? Well, because he the got money t- was right. Well, he got that was in 2006, and he got tied into Nolan's Batman thing. He wrote some story credits for for some of those for some of those films. Yeah, so, okay. so he's also in the Warner Brothers bullpen. Yeah. <laughs> so we got let's let's go to kind of get these guys to kind of you know. Let's finish up the Lex thought real quick because I want to ask you okay, something. Okay, okay, go ahead. You said Brian Cranston. Yeah. If Brian Cranston is in this, and let's say. Not the the delivery of the lines and the acting, but the fiendish plot that he has endeavored to pursue is carried out by Cranston. Yeah. Do you find it more believable? I think so. I do too. He has a more of a gravitas to him and a more of an intensity and less whining. Jesse Eisenberg's, and that works for me in like films like The Social Network and maybe Zombieland, but it's just it's just too much here. It's I I don't buy it. You can't be that twitchy, like (laughs) right. because that's doesn't play well with okay so batman would kick the absolute crap out of lex luthor mm-hmm. physically yeah lex luthor at this point doesn't seem to be smarter than batman is which is really batman's superpower to me if you get to it it's his brain sure okay so if he can't tackle batman's intellect or batman's physical ability what in the world is he going to do with superman yeah and is the pot the plot that he's hatching to pit Batman against Superman because Alpha takes on Omega and we have the Battle of Titans? Or is it, let me give Batman the weapon that will beat Superman? It is this kryptonite, but here's what I have to do. I have to trick Batman into believing that Superman is so bad that it should be done. Because actually, Jesse, none of that happens. I think it's that, the second one you said, but it's so ridiculous. But that's not the movie. It's not. We're getting into like a... Crypt, I want to curse so bad. We're getting into a kryptonite spear and kryptonite smoke bombs, and it's just it's laughable. This um this makes uh, Gene Hackman's land scheme and Superman the movie look like super brilliant. Okay, right, Otisville, <laughs> right? Yeah. So okay, so you we've touched on Lex. We did a little with Superman. Let's talk about Batman here for a little bit. Okay, we got Ben Affleck in the role. He's playing this older, brooding Batman. I want to say about 45. I think Ben was about 45 when he did this film. And Is he really that old? I think so. Wow. Yeah, yeah. This is interesting because we're getting in late with him, and I think there's something you can play with. You know, they're obviously drawing inspiration from Frank Miller's Dark Knight Returns. I want to go off on that in a minute. But yeah, go yeah, ahead. yeah, that's fine. 
I think there's there's a problem here with the age, and I'm just going to address it right now. But I don't buy that an older seasoned Batman, who's literally later in the film, says we've been doing this for 20 years, Alfred. We've seen what people can do. I actually have a I actually have a clip from that. I'm gonna I'm gonna play it right now. That son of a bitch brought the war to us two years ago. Jesus, Alfred, count the dead. Thousands of people. What's next? Millions. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. And if we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. And we have to destroy him. But he is not our enemy. Is Alfred the only sane person in this film? <laughs> so I got a real problem with that. So here's a Batman, 20 plus years. He's seen some shit. Maybe a Joker, a Two-Face, a Riddler, a Freeze, a this, a that. He has a Robin coffin in his in his armoire there. This Batman that's so wise and sage, sageful, that's not a word, but it is today, would jump into a conflict with this godlike man because he thinks he needs to get him out of the equation? I don't buy that one bit. That he happened upon because he was worried about his building yeah. and in the inspection of his building that toppled down, saw a horse and rescued a girl mm -hmm. and then pulled a beam off some guy's legs, which we didn't even get to that, but that guy's really going to matter in a minute. Yeah. Yes. All of that. And then how do you think as Batman okay. with the street level criminal rogues gallery that you just so eloquently listed out mm -hmm. that you possibly can deduce even with your accented syllables and the very to prove that you are fired up when your conversation with mm -hmm. Alfred, mm -hmm. that you can take on this godlike character. Yeah. And the fact that it isn't considered or he doesn't address it in the God complex that this movie poorly tries to deliver on, which is Lex's whole kind of genuine idea of man versus God and who makes who and who's important and what does that mean who for made a more who? Right. <laughs> The red coats are coming. Oh God! I know. I had to do it. That whole con, like the conversation, is delivered with this gravity that makes no sense because you've just proven to the entire audience that Batman is a fool. But Matt, he's super pissed off. He's branding people, and they're getting shanked. And oh, there's a shanking scene. Did you get the shanking scene in your version? Mm. Okay, the, I think it's just in mine. There's this like prison shanking scene. He gets shanked because he's got the bat brand on him. No, nope. but I don't know why. Like, why that matters. Well, okay, so let me ask you another question. That Why is Batman would never brand anyone? Mm -hmm. And the video, and the version that I have, that's what pisses Superman off. Mm -hmm. Like the justice that is not given in some Fifth and Sixth Amendment way to these <laughs> characters that have been incarcerated because Batman has branded them. Is that to put the fear for criminals who will be reincarcerated going forward once they're released? Because then there's no bad guys in Batman's world that you better not come out because I'll brand you. That's stupid. And I don't know why he's doing that if he's mad at Superman. Why does Superman even care? Yeah. Like, like why does he care? Because his boss, because he wants to write a story about it at the Daily Planet. Right. And that, well, so that's the investigation piece that sounds like was played out a little bit more in your version. But in either case, it sounds like it's not to fruition. No. I just don't believe no. that after Zod showed up and tried to put his world whatever the hell those things are what are oh, those the, the the dubstep machine the world engine yeah the world engines and turn earth into another kryptonite and destroy the entire civilization and you're knocking down buildings and that you care about essentially a scar on a criminal's shoulder mm -hmm. what a dumb premise and can i say one more thing go ahead 
we skipped over this. Okay. Maybe in most recent memory, the most uncomfortable I have been in a film actually occurred between Super Clark and Lois earlier in this movie. Okay. This movie has set up this very strange tone that is very, very dark, 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 dark. One of the possibilities to create some differentiation in viewer emotions is to lighten it up. We talked about how poorly that's done with Lex, but it also happens when Clark arrives home to find Lois in the bathtub. Amy Adams is a terrible Lois. She doesn't look like her. It shouldn't be her, but regardless, that's who it is. And she's in that bathtub. And that scene is so gray and so lack of any genuine emotion. Well, they don't. I feel like he is a pervert, and he's her husband or lover, like together, whatever, whatever state of mm-hmm. relationship they're in. Mm-hmm. That him being in there with his wife in the bathtub is such an invasion of privacy that I almost had to not watch it. I was praying to God that she didn't pop up and we got like a little, you know, skin shot because it felt so perverse. Mm-hmm. That's a huge problem because if I'm not even buying the Clark and Lois relationship, which is the crux of Superman in this movie in a lot of ways, they, they don't have it's a huge miss. They don't have chemistry together is the thing. I, I guess we're saying no one has chemistry in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean it. Like, let's think for a minute. Is there is there a relationship in this movie that authentically works on, on celluloid that you can think of? Alfred and his monitors? Jesus. Yeah. What about Clark and Martha? What about Superman and Mom? I forgot she was in the movie. I guess, but she essentially tells him, like, screw everybody. And- you, you, protect the, you protect the globe or don't. You don't know this planet. I don't think that works. Yeah, do whatever you want. I, I don't think there is one. I don't. No, you're right. Uh, okay, so here's one. <clears throat> okay. What about Lex and Senator Finch? Because they're in a lot of scenes together, and you could do kind of an antagonistic thing there. I don't think so either. Awkward. Yeah. What about uh, Lex and Mercy, which she is his, his, his minion, and you barely even know it in this film. Yeah. Didn't nothing she, nothing works. And she blows up in the Senate, right? And he has zero regard for her, which is okay, because bad guys are like that. Mm-hmm. When that Senate... Okay, yeah. So no, I, I know what you mean. Here's one that might have worked. Okay. When Batman pulls the beam off of that guy after the Wayne building has yeah. come down and he's crushed his legs, mm-hmm. there could be a tie between those two. And it could either be anger or Batman could visit him in the hospital. There's a lot of ways that that could go because what that guy becomes Mm -hmm. for Batman, if this movie is done with a shred of dignity, is the voice of the forgotten that befell the tragedy of this battle between Zod and Superman. Yeah, that could have been And he's like, look at what happened to me. I had this job and then my wife left. And you build up the everyman element of look what happened and it's because of this guy playing God. And now you start the wheels rolling in Batman's head about... I can't let this happen. Yeah. And then at least you create a bond with Batman and somebody. Yeah. Instead, we get that in the scenes where they've been sending him payment checks and they're like coming back, but like with like, you let your family die and all that, which that's you not- You just stole it from me. You just, you took, you finished my thought. And yes. that's not even him. It's Lex trying to just put fuel on the fire of this kind of- And to that, mm-hmm. you took that possible moment and watered it down <clears throat> with more dark, brooding, unfulfilled- underdeveloped nonsense. Mm-hmm. So now I've got to figure out who sent the checks and who. <sighs> yeah. All I right. want to sour mash the film real quick. And then I'm going to come back to the same mash in just a little bit to remind everyone what sour mash is. So sour mash whiskey is actually a second batch of whiskey. You make your full batch in a barrel and all the excrement, your, you know, your corn and you know, all your ingredients stays in the barrel and you filter it in and you make one more. It's actually 
pretty good. Can be, yeah. It can be really good. So that's kind of what Matt and I like to do on Rise Smile Fills is to take some good elements of the film and mash it into something that's palatable. <laughs> yeah. I want to do that with Batman. Batman shouldn't be 45 years old in this film. I want him to be 25. I don't buy that an old season Batman would be so stupid to go headfirst into this conflict the way he does in this film. Just and then killing the murder. Oh my god. He, I mean, people is Batman killing this movie like 80? I, I buy a young Batman getting into this. Maybe a Batman that's come back from his Ra's al Ghul training. He's been doing stuff for a year. Maybe he's fought a Two-Face or the Maroni or um, Falcone crime families. But he hasn't seen the shit yet. Because a Batman that's full of himself, that has hubris, I buy jumping into a conflict. And then you've you're, you're got, you got, you're got this young mentality and what, where he's going to slip up. And that could have been something interesting to watch. And not mature yet Batman too jaded. Yeah. And also younger Batman without gray hair that doesn't have bad knees uh-huh. is a more imposing possible threat to Superman. Well, see, just take yourself back to 25. Like, yeah, I could take that guy. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. At 45, you're like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't. You know what I mean? Right. Maybe I should just sit down, especially Superman. Are you kidding me? Okay. So I'm going to say something that's going to make a lot of our listeners really upset. But okay. I have to say, it. okay. In popular fiction, I don't know of two things that are more overrated for me than anything by Alan Moore. Okay. Watchmen, V for Vendetta, or Swamp Thing. Okay. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen is barely palatable. Mm -hmm. I can't think of anything, anything that I find more overrated than him. And secondly, is Frank Miller's run on Batman. Frank Miller's entire design for that run on Batman was throwing a middle finger to, and I've seen the interviews, Reagan era United States. Like he is such a bitter, pissy asshole. His writing comes through. His stuff on Daredevil is okay, Mm -hmm. except till he gets to nuke and then you see what other issue he's working through. But those two guys Mm -hmm. in that period, which are essentially the same time. Yeah. That mid-80s anti-hero yeah. in comic book Ville mm-hmm. is awful. And this is paying homage yeah. to a fan base that worships at the altar of The Dark Knight Returns sure. by Frank Miller. And I got to be honest, mm-hmm. it's so ridiculous that even young Batman could take on Super, much less Superman, much yeah. less aged Batman. It's just... Well, he's even older in that comic. He's like 60. It's stupid. Yeah, it's like Roger Moore taking <laughs> It's... Ava would have a better chance of beating up the rock. I have a question than for you. this. Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you what, what about what about year one? Because <laughs> that's more you know originy, and that's more about him and his relationship with Gordon. And the sum total of everything they that those two guys have scribed. Yeah, a moment. Mm-hmm. I, again, I'm not saying it's all entirely terrible. It's so wildly overrated. Oh yeah, and. It's like DC drank a big, healthy serving of that Kool-Aid and said, you know, people liked this Frank Miller stuff. Actually, most of us didn't. That grew up with it, most mm-hmm. of us didn't. Yeah. Like it became popular later through like Comic-Con and sure. ooh, we should see this darker version of Batman. Yeah. Brother, a darker version of Batman mm-hmm. is a bad guy. Yeah. Batman at a lighter version is dark. Yeah. And 
Frank Miller comes along <laughs> in this aged Batman that they adhere to for no reason. Ben Affleck could be younger. Just don't give him gray hair. Yeah. There's no shortage of other head-scratching moments in this film. That, to me, is another one that's just excess. You well, don't need it. I know what you mean. And Alan Moore's, he's like a psycho. But uh, Frank Miller's the JV version of him. Jesse. Okay. No, yeah, I know what you mean. But that's that's kind of all DC had at that at that point. You know what I mean? Like... No one was reading Green Lantern in the late 80s, you know what I mean? No, it's all very interesting. So let's kind of get to the, I guess, the middle of the film. God, is that where we're at? Maybe. we got to talk about this nightmare sequence, because i got to address the elephant in the room, which is this. Sitting over to your right. (laughs) Staring at me. Hi, elephant. Something I do like about this film. So you you mentioned you didn't like, you know, the Batman cow with the lower ears. I actually like all three costumes in this film because I think this might be the first Batman film to actually play with some adding some gray to the bat suit, like some gray and black. And then the nightmare suit. This is like like Mad Max Batman with the trench coat and the goggles and this gun. And, you know, I want to know, like, what you know, what happened to get to to this version of him? Yeah, we're never going to find that out. And I even like the armored suit that he has in the end. Because that's not really, if he didn't have that, he would have been killed. So I like I like Batman's wardrobe in this film. I bought this figurine because I was like, man, I should really like, I'm a collector of things. And I was like, I want to get a, a, a nice Batman figurine. I missed out on the Keaton and the Bill and all that shit. This was all that was left for me. And I was like, I actually do really like that this look of him because he's great looking. There's a lot of mystery there. He even has a little Joker card on his his rifle there. So yep. the scene is completely preposterous. Like, here's this Batman in some desert, dark seed driven wasteland that we don't know how we got here. Parademons. The parademons look like mosquitoes and this Superman army that's fighting for him. And then he's caught by by Superman, and then he gives him the Kalima. She was my world. And you took her from me. Kalima Shakti Day. This plays out to, to nothing. In, in the film because then he wakes up from this nightmare to another nightmare and it's the flash from some parallel timeline telling him he needs to put the people together and unite the people. This is only going to play out on the QuickTime files on the, t- on the TV and then in a line he gives Wonder Woman at the end of the film which is we have to find the others because something's coming because I had a dream about something. Well, to match the foreign saying that, you know, sums this up i'll give you dusek machina in this and the flash as the second harbinger of the dream ending to portal of future revenue generating devices for dc that never matter is also stupid Mm -hmm. what are we doing yeah it's too much again another thing that we're going to have to try to decipher or figure out in this really as you would say bloated film that we're halfway through and we haven't even blown up the senate yet um, now we're trying to figure out, wait a minute, who was that the flash? Cause it's not a good looking version of the flash. No. And F- flashpoint or, um, Grant Gustin's a better flash on the TV show. 
what what flash storyline are they using there? Because is that Crisis on Infinite Earths or is that Flashpoint? Like that, it's not even really clear. Well, here and then this is bad. So fil- this what is, are we doing? This is bad filmmaking and bad storytelling. If you don't even know who the Flash is or any point of what's happening, that scene's going to be totally nonsense to you. Who is that guy? I don't know who that. That actor hasn't been established for me in this story. I don't know who that is. Add to it, it's time travel. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's just disaster. Yeah. Again, no shortage of bad moments. Here's another one to that ever-growing list. Yeah. So finally, we got to get Batman in the bat suit. He's got to go after the kryptonite. They figured out that the white Portuguese is not a man, but a ship that's bringing in the kryptonite that Lex has bought that the Senate's trying to put a trade embargo in so he can't sell it, but he wants to sell it to them so they'd have a weapon to fight the Kryptonians so that no Kryptonians can do the same thing that happened on on the bad day. In that <clears throat> scenario you just laid out, yeah. who is Batman aligned with there? Think about the motives of the government to mm-hmm. block or, or you know, keep this um, import from coming in. He's doing his own thing. I, right. He is in the movie. But if we're thinking logically on this, mm-hmm. what side is Batman on? His own side. I like. I don't. I don't know. He he's in it for himself because he's wanted to do something bad to Superman to prevent him for eighteen months. But I don't think Batman is pro oversight through government guy in any way, mm-hmm. shape, or form. The cops have been chasing him in some version, you know, at different times in that story over and over again. He yeah. breaks the <clears throat> law. All like again. Do we have three well, forces now? So you have government, Lex, Batman, Superman. And they all have their own agenda. All of them. Yeah. We haven't even introduced Wonder Woman yet, whose guest is looking for a picture. Next time they shine your light in the sky, don't go to it. The bat is dead. Bury it. Consider this mercy. Tell me. Henry Cavill is just not. I don't. I don't think he's a good actor. Like, I, I, and, and here he is. He's trying to carry the film. And I want to come back to backtracking again. There's this crazy montage sequence of him saving people at a festival, saving a rocket, saving hurricane flood victims. And okay, so th- there's another big problem in Man of Steel. He's so unlikable in that film as Superman. He's not heroic at all. And I think we get through that whole film, and because we've come to the decision in this film that, spoiler alert, we are going to kill him, we need to care at the end. So the film's backtracking again with this montage showing, oh no, we do care about Superman. He does good things. He doesn't just bring Metropolis crashing down. He saved that cat out of the tree. You know what I mean? Like, the film's trying really hard to get an emotional response out of me because they want me to feel the moment at the end of the film. But here's the, the just the crux of it, Matt. This film does not deserve to have that ending and to have that emotion in me. If you cried in this film, got to stop watching movies. Like, right now, stop watching movies. <laughs> if Superman, <clears throat> for me, if Superman works, it's he has given up his past and therefore sort of let this alien and i mean that as a science fiction piece yeah kind of die and enveloped himself in the inner machinations of this world this movie over and over and over and over again constantly and maybe the totality of all dc superman two through three films 
presents him as an alien. He's not of this place. Mm -hmm. He's an alien. He's like, they keep reminding you he's not one of us. Yeah. So there's already then a difference between the two of us that makes me kind of consider the humanizing element of Superman poorly done in this film, him and Lois, mm -hmm. a bit also perverse because does she know she's having sex with an alien? <laughs> no, I'm serious. Yeah. So if we're trying to make him heroic, you can do it because he has an undying love for his woman or he's going to champion the cause of the righteous. That's done away with because what they choose to champion is he's not from here. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you over and over and over and over and over. And the whole movie in this one part of this story of the 50 in this movie is going to be about getting the weapon to kill that alien. And he comes across as cold. Very cold. He's right. And his he's, suit's cold. Right. It, yes. And can I tackle it from an acting perspective right now? I just think Henry Cavill lacks the natural charisma that an actor like Christopher Reeve had in the film. Like, you buy it a lot more. You're like... What if he had a mustache? <laughs> oh, yeah, wrong movie. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, woo. Yeah. That movie's pretty bad, too. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you're right. Yeah. I just don't buy it. And I'm not like... He doesn't make me feel heroic. Like Superman should. You don't want to cheer for him. And Batman's so brooding in this movie, you can't get behind him either. And then Ben Affleck's Batman is bad on top of it. You're just depressed the whole time. Who are you cheering for? Yeah. That's why when Wonder Woman shows up in a haphazardly throwaway way, and at least we kind of have someone that we can get behind. Yeah. And it's mostly just because she's pretty because there's no character development for her in this movie either. That scene's cool, and she's got a great theme. Hans Zimmer with the, that, sure that, does, that music. Yeah. But I'm with you. She didn't need to be in this film either. I'm glad she was because it's some levity to something to like kind of steer us away from, yeah, you're right, all the brooding and just darkness. But it's just another element that's just so poorly set up. Yeah, I just... It, let's get to the the crux of the film. I'll let you take it. The, the the bombing of the Senate. Why don't you run with it for a bit? So after the guy that's had his legs crushed at the toppling of that Wayne building in Metropolis is rescued by Batman, we jump ahead a couple years-ish. And essentially he's hijacked by Luther and used as Luther's minion to show up in a case that is regarding what we're going to do with superheroes in the United States. So this Congress is having this hearing about that. He shows up as expert testimony to play on the strings of look what happens if we don't check this power. And then he's in a wheelchair constructed for him by Luther. And I guess that's enough of a selling point is he has a good wheelchair and that's why he decides to show up at Luther's wishes. Yeah. I don't think this guy at any point ever knows that he's sitting on a bomb. No, he doesn't. Here's another problem. Hitchcock would have done something different. We don't know that either. Yep. You can create some tension in this movie that we care about if you know that Luther... Something's going to happen. ...has done something to that. Mm -hmm. Nope. He just shows up and in the middle of a very strangely cast Holly Hunter as a senator from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't know why they chose her. Um, and she's as, she's weird to me. She can be good and sometimes, and sometimes she can be really bad. And she's very wooden in this movie. Mm -hmm. In the middle of her... Well, the script's wooden. <laughs> in the middle Zach of... Zack Snyder's wooden. Okay, yeah. She sees a glass on the counter that she's been drinking from that she realized has been pee, which then ties back to a comment and a conversation that she had with Lex Luthor five films ago. I mean, 
yeah, whatever, five story lines ago. Yeah. And she sees, oh, something is up. And then, boom, the wheelchair explodes. And everybody in this committee is destroyed except Superman. That's the... That should be the end beat-wise mm-hmm. of Act 1. We yeah. should fade out at the end of Act 1 right now. The problem is this is the midpoint in the film. Yeah. Time-wise. Yeah. Actually, a little bit. It's like an hour 30-ish. So it's maybe time-wise in my version, which is the 220, 230. <laughs> <laughs> but in your version, which is the version that was supposed to be released, I guess it actually is the midpoint. Yeah. So boom, this hearing blows up, and the only one to survive is Superman. So then the next question is, what next? Well, he leaves. He, he leaves. He takes off. He doesn't, sh- to not humanize him, mm-hmm. don't make him remorseful. Just have him fly away. Just have him take off. And he literally goes to the cold Canadian wilderness. To meet his dad? Ghost dad. Oh, my God. Yeah. What? That's a bad scene, too. Talks about the flooding of a farm and preventing <laughs> it and killing the neighbor's horses. Like this is some <laughs> monumental metaphor for the human condition and, and that's what an- it means to be a hero. And that's enough for him to go back. When the whole prior film, he was like, you need to hide your powers, son. Like, don't show people who you really are, even if I have to die for it. Why isn't Superman remorseful? Why doesn't Zack Snyder give him a moment to be like, because the remorse is shown in isolation as he goes and sees dad. But that just looks like nothing. Like it's a tree he, fall in the he woods. Doesn't understand the it? character. Like no one understands that character. <laughs> if you want Superman to champion our cause, then think about his colors when they're done traditionally: red, white, and blue. Mm-hmm. He is a big flying flag. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to the Siegel and Schuster version, <clears throat> the idea of that Superman was crafted as an immigrant's father. Schuster's dad was shot at gunpoint in a robbery, mm-hmm. so he created the embodiment of all things he thought good about the United States Mm -hmm. to work him through the issues of his dad's demise by creating a Superman. Now, Frank Miller's the opposite of all that. Yeah, those guys got fucked over too. Yeah, Frank Miller can kiss it too. (laughs) But none of that is present here. He's cold and isolated and the suits, I don't really love his suit either. And he never shows any emotion and I think that's why that part in the bathtub also creeps me out. It's like Norman Bates in the bathtub standing over his mother with groceries. There's just it's just weird, man. Well, let's talk about the, like tone. You know, tone is a way a film is supposed to feel. And when your color palette is gray and light blues mm-hmm. and shadows, earthy, yeah. Maybe even less earthy, okay. like you know what I mean. Like I, I would maybe see like to see some sun. There's sun, but it's always overcast. Is there a sunny day in this movie? No, there's not, or or it's nighttime. There's a sunny day out in the desert at the beginning, and or in the the night, the Montemar scene. The scenes don't matter in the film. It's just it. it the film feels alien to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. You mean like yeah, like she sets alien. Yeah. Yeah. Shoe sets alien. <laughs> Let me jump us ahead a little bit here. So Batman makes his 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 kryptonite weapon. He's ready to show down now, which I don't know why, because Superman's gone, but he's still getting ready for the battle. Well, can I ask you a question? Because I actually, I actually don't understand this. Okay. Before we get to the kryptonite weapon, mm-hmm. what is that weird new Batmobile chase sequence on the dock? What the hell is that? Well, yeah, because the white Portuguese offloaded the Kryptonian rock. And they're taking it to Lex. So he's trying to get it before they do, but he fails because he runs into Superman. 
and he kills like 20 people in the process. But a scene missing in your version is a Batman going and stealing it from LexCorp. Okay, because that's I asked you. Yeah. I mean, you see it later with the little battering, battering stuck yeah. in there. Mm-hmm. I don't know how Batman came <clears throat> to that information, and maybe I just missed it because I was so bored or busy with 15 other stories. No, it's not shown. But it just ends up looking like this, and that Batmobile sucks in this sequence too. <laughs> it literally crashes through the boat and mm-hmm. gets stuck mm-hmm. and then shoots its way out. That's dumb. Yeah. And so I, I don't know who those those envoys were to pick up the kryptonite. Were those minions of Lex? That has to be. Why didn't Lex go? Yeah. Oh. Well, he gets his weapon. He's suited up. He's at the this abandoned dock. So now we killed too many people last time. We have to be at abandoned places <laughs> for this film. Yeah. So they're at this abandoned harbor. He's waiting for him. Shoots his uh, bad signal up in the air. Uh, and then Superman shows back up to save Lois Lane because she's thrown off the building and then Superman goes up there, and you know we get we get this little exchange. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world: God versus man, day versus night, son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. You think I'll fight him for you? Mm, yes, I do. I think you will fight, fight, fight for that special lady in your life. She's safe on the ground. How about you? Close, but I am not talking about Lois. No, every boy's special lady. I'm talking about Martha. So then we finally get to the fight, Matt. And I don't know if you looked at your time code when you watched, but it's two hours and five minutes in my version where they're finally showing down here. What's the title of the film? Batman versus Superman. Uh Yeah. So they have a nice fisticuffs for a little bit. What do you think of this scene? I hate it. (laughs) I'm just going to tell this to you. Okay. Here's the problem. Suspension of disbelief. And this also goes back to the Frank Miller stupid story and kryptonite punching gloves that he does Superman in with. Yeah. If your attack on Superman is short range, that is the length of your arms, it's over. If all I can do is shoot you with a grenade gun that shoots kryptonite or blows up into kryptonite dust, after the first time Superman gets hit and it has like a two minute weakening effect on him, all he has to do is leave and then from range of many, many miles, either eviscerate Batman with the vision that can be heat, or I'll also remind you, he's faster than Flash. So who in the hell thinks that this canister is gonna get him? Like it's, it is such a ridiculous, asinine, absurd, preposterous idea that in any way, shape, or form, those two guys squared off with each other would last more than one second. Superman would kick the hell out of Batman in a matter of that. (laughs) It is so stupid. And I don't care if you have bat armor and kryptonite bat canisters or your fucking utility belt and batterings and all of your bat bullshit you are fighting a god it's it's so stupid yeah and people worship at the altar of the original comic too yeah. and it's especially 70 year old batman jesse yeah this guy's only 45 i guess he's got a chance i literally think yeah. i mean this yeah i would have a better chance of winning a fist fight with god i'm serious because yeah. at least he's benevolent yeah 
then Batman has a beating Superman. And I'm just, every moment that is so eye-rolling. The minute Superman gets pissed off, yeah. he's going to take Batman Snap and in. rip him in half. Yeah, that's all he has it's to do. over. Yeah. You thought Thanos was quick? Watch that fight. But then it works enough for the film. <laughs> okay, I guess it moves the story forward. Uh, I hate it. Oh, yeah, okay, good. Is that clear? Did I make this? Was... Oh, that was amazing. I loved it. Jesus. And then we get to the creme de la creme. We have get, a drink of this foot. Get to the creme de la creme of this film. You're letting him kill Martha. What does that mean? Why did you say that name? Find him. Save Martha. Okay, pause, everybody. Take that in. Smell your drink. Get a nice <laughs> floral <laughs> smell or a nice footy smell. Mm, grape feet. And here's a little more for you. Why did you say that name? Martha, why did you say that name? Uh, stop! Please, stop! Why did you say that name? It's his mother's name. It's his mother's name. Well, shit, he's my best friend now. Can I run with this one for a little bit? Go. Yeah. Camp, two hours and 15 minutes now we're in this film. I feel like I ran a marathon, a three-minute mile. And we get to this point where he's going to do Superman in with this thing that he spent half the film trying to find. And he utters this word, Martha, and it's just the film just stops. And... Martha Kent and Martha Wayne. I can't believe this is the, the the crux of Chris Terrio and Goyer's script that they said, I know how to get them on each other's sides. They have the same mother's name. Who cares? Right. Like, and then it just stops. He stopped. Batman stops. And he's like, oh, I can't do this now. What do you mean you can't do this? This guy brought a building down on all your employees. You, this employee you tried to pay off and you pissed you off for 18 months and you've gone through all this work to get this weapon to do the thing and everything you've been telling Alfred the entire film. But no, you're good now. Fuck you, movie. Okay, yeah, right. I agree with you. And then we got an hour left. Or at least I did. <laughs> I only had 30 minutes. Shit. Okay, so if the... Matt, real quick, that's some of the worst screenwriting of all time. Oh, no, yeah, I'm not going to argue with oh, you at all. God. Um, yes, if that's going to make a difference in the battle the two men are engaged in, you have to not only have humanized Superman for me to believe that his mom matters, and we're two films in, and I still don't believe that, and it's partly because Diane Lane isn't good in this either. Mm -mm. He's closer to his dad. Yeah. <clears throat> and they've done that. They already killed him. Poorly, but they've done it. Yeah. And you have to make that opening sequence for Martha in the alley have some tie to the importance of Batman's mother. Batman's problem has to do with his dad. His mom was also killed. So the, the utterance of the name Martha, to snap Batman out of this fear of him, Superman, yeah. Destroying all of mankind because 1% in that bit that you played earlier with Alfred. Mm -hmm. The utterance of save Martha. He doesn't even know Superman's mom is named Martha. So it's not like, oh, he likes his mom. He might be a good guy. It's like, why are you mentioning that name? Because you have to then deduce. You know, this, you know my mom's name. Are you the one that killed her in the alley? 
So now I'm even more pissed off. Oh, God. So to yeah. double down on the worst writing that you and I have covered on this podcast, we have a new comp competitor for Serenity. <laughs> we really do. Yeah, this is pretty bad. So bad. And it, the, the linchpin that makes them friends after all of this. If I'm Superman, I'm so pissed off at Batman. It's... Mm. I'm going to sour mash the film. I'm going to make it like amazing now. Oh God. All right. So my young Batman, my 25 year old Batman, I want to still have the same opening sequence because then you, you can show the collateral damage from Batman's perspective and still have him get pissed. A young pissed, the pissed that thinks he can take on the entire world and Muhammad Ali. You mean like, like what, how young, what age? Like 25? Like 25. Okay, yeah. 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 Very young, very green, a green Batman. Okay. We get to this moment Martha, that line can't be said at all. Batman literally in all his rage and his hubris does Superman in. I want a scene where Batman kills Superman. Then Lex's final ploy has to be something on Gotham. And it's something Batman can't save. So then he gets the destruction on his turf, his home, his motherland. So he has no stakes in Metropolis, but he has stakes in Gotham because this is the evil that took the lives of his parents. And if a man like Superman could have helped him out in a scenario and he just killed that there, now we're dealing with guilt, remorse, uh, a lot of heavy themes for a young Batman that now he has to mature at a young age. Yeah, that works at, on high. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, I don't I know. love it. Yeah. Well, you've spent some time writing, haven't you? Maybe. <laughs> That's good, Jesse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Instead, we got another hour of film to go save Martha now where Batman kills 30 people in this warehouse. I know people think that scene's cool, and it is cool, but like the morality of Batman, too, is I can't stoop down to the level of the evil that took my parents. There's a morality code here. Even though I'm dark and brooding, I can never stoop to that low. Which is a real fine line with Batman. Yeah. And we all know he could just kill the Joker and yeah. it'd be over. And it's something that Nolan actually played out very well in his in his films. Agreed. Instead here, no, I'm taking a bad ring to this guy's heart. I'm going to snap this guy's arm in half. I'm going to smash this guy's neck and yeah, break. I think he kills seven people in that sequence uh, you're well, talking about. Well, he kicks a guy and the grenade kills at least three in that little room. And he kills the flamethrower guy by shooting his jetpack. Or... He impales that guy in the wall with that. Is it the battering? The battering, right in the heart. Good gracious. Yeah. Who's that Batman? Yeah, because I don't know that Batman. Yeah, it, it doesn't matter anymore. Isn't he then doing what Superman did uh, to a lesser degree with like the power that Superman did when he was fighting Zod? Yeah, just the absolute wreckage that he lays yeah. in waste. Yeah, over family. Yeah, because that's the driving element in that too. Mm -hmm. Legacy of family and Krypton with Zod here and world changing whatever that was. Yeah. It's the same thing. He's ascended to the same thing he hated. Now that's way too smart. They never consider that at all, but there's something to play with even sure. in that as well. Yeah. So in the reckoning of like, Oh man, if Superman was still here, we wouldn't have to fight ready for this. We haven't got to this story yet. Doomsday. Yeah. Because I can't do it. Cause I'm, and you said it so well, and I'm going to, I'm going to remind everybody what you're telling everybody, what you told me years ago about the this film didn't have enough going on in it. You have another sour mash element where Batman is having to reckon with the sins that we create or commit in our attempts to do good. Yes. Which is what Superman did mm -hmm. with Zod. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But this movie, that would be a moment of light yeah. or acknowledgement. And that's just not what this film is at mm -hmm. all. It's just, let's get back to brooding. Yeah. So we got doomsday. Now this weapon Lex made, 
Superman's fighting came over. You, you don't want to talk about the creation of this? You, no. you We have to talk about this. Okay, go well, ahead. No, well, I just want to know what you think about it. Because I have a take, but I want to hear what you think first. I can't believe the Kryptonian ship's still like in like some like tent. That's exactly what I was going to say. With the Where is this stored? With the files, and he's so easily to... It's, like in, it's in like the town square. It's like in Central Park. Just stored there. Just stored there. That, they, they can't like move it or anything. No, it's not. I mean, it is, but come on. Would you be in like Area 51 or like... It's in the <laughs> warehouse with the Ark from Indiana Jones. We all know that. Be. Yep, exactly. But he just it walks in. Breaks in, was able to put in the, the codex, is what the thing was called from the last film. He's able to override the entire Kryptonian uh, firewall and takes over the ship to create Doomsday from his blood and Zod's corpse to create this Doomsday orc from Middle-Earth troll that fights Superman. They, they almost die. Then they go to the uninhabited island. I think it's called Rikers or something island to have this this final fight between Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman. And there's there's destruction galore, but there's no casualties this time. Like, the film can't find a balance. One of my least favorite types of films is Man versus Nature. The reason is not because there's a lack of special effects or it's not entertaining. It's because the villain is faceless and so ridiculously overpowered that humanity has no chance of winning. A typhoon looks like wind. And I've never liked those type of films because if Mother Nature turns on us, it's just it's just over. There's not a parka big enough. Here's the problem with Doomsday and Batman, the same thing. If you at this type, literally in this movie, have reduced Batman to, to Spider-Man, that is swinging from wall to wall just ahead of the rays and lasers that somehow Doomsday has found He's with, like, with batterings, you have reduced you have you have for me again doubled down on the premise that kills me about this film. Mm-hmm. Batman works in Gotham because the writers and the creators of Batman have created a capable street level bad guy mm-hmm. that he's able to take on. It's too much here. You have to have he's got a little bit bigger gun. <clears throat> he's got a little bit smarter brain. He's got a little bit more utility, usefulness, mm-hmm. economics in his utility belt than the bad guy who's opposing him. And he's just barely able to get over because they're street level baddies. An intergalactic force that is the blood of Luther and the reincarnating abilities of whatever the hell that ship has in it in the middle of town square from kryptonite creates a ridiculous doomsday. Who's an awesome character in the comic books, a really cool looking character sure. yeah. that Batman has no shot, no chance against <laughs> yeah. that's, it sounds like I'm talking about the same battle for me like I talk about with Superman, but mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm talking about another one now. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that is the route that this should have gone. Superman, by this time, is lost in space in the dark recesses of no sunlight, so he's decaying as we see his body freezing and becoming more emaciated and sullen and sunken and you know more gloom. And then we get some light, and the sun's going to come back, and Superman returns. Here's the other thing, though, too. In the middle of the battle that he has, Mm -hmm. he's got to go rescue Lois again. Yeah. So he... (laughs) Okay, so now Wonder Woman shows up. 
I guess Batman's communicated with her through some email about a picture, so she's <laughs> willing to come and fight the baddest bad guy ever. But Zack Snyder has chosen to puss out and not have people around for collateral damage because he didn't want to take on that heat. They somehow, in the middle of Metropolis, have found like seven square miles of completely desolated area, or it's an island. I don't really know how we got there, but okay, it's an island. I think we're on Gotham. I don't know where we're at. Okay, so we have the problem of geography. Okay. And I guess we're not supposed to care about any of that because there's enough lipstick on this pig to make this pig pretty, which is more lasers, more glowing eyes, more lightning. And then we get to, despite everything that I just told you, what I hate the most in the sequence. Not Wonder Woman. She's cool. Wonder Woman shows up and absorbs Doomsday's Doomsday Blast Mm -hmm. with her bracelets. I guess they had the writers from this movie moved on to do the last iteration of Star Wars and Ray with the lightsabers as she absorbed the power from the Emperor and blew everything up. This is the same writer. <laughs> they can't do that. Yeah. They, they, they're not capable of taking that power, or if they were, you have to set that up. Yeah, or the power's just not, yeah, it's not defined. Dude, it's to- just metal on yeah. your, sh- like, there's no way. Yeah, it's... There's a a lot of excess in this final scene. So Lois has rescued, kind of, the spear of kryptonite from the water recesses of nondescript place X where... Well, they threw it away. (laughs) Superman and Batman were fighting 10 minutes ago. So she dives down in to get the spear. 30. 30 stories ago also. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, of course, something falls on top of her. She's trapped in the middle of this showdown. She's banging on that thing. Help, help, help. And Superman saves her again. Meanwhile, Batman's swinging, trying to like flee for his life. Yeah. Because he's just outmatched. You you said it so well. So, well, because you put that idea in my head some years ago. I'm not going to take credit for that. You were right. Like you've reduced him to like web swinger, Mm -hmm. batarang swinger. Well, it's all he can do. It's all he's got. Yeah. So Batman is swinging around, like you said. Superman rescues Lois. Here's the spear, and we get this really important moment where he's holding the spear of kryptonite, flying headlong in to kill Doomsday, knowing that the proximity to the spear is weakening by the minute. And Lois, I'm sorry, Lois, wow. Wonder Woman then absorbs the rays and kind of knocks him off his axis by shooting them back at her, him, Superman comes and plunges the spear of kryptonite into doomsday. But that's not the end yet, is it? Because he kind of rips it out, has one last thing, and then kills Superman with it. Yeah. Like his, like, spear arm. Mercy. Oh, yeah, that wasn't even that. He just stabbed him with his own bone arm, huh? Because Wonder <laughs> Woman had cut off his cut off his, hand. his bone arm. And we just don't care. Like, the film tried too hard to make this moment matter because they were building up to it. And it's just, it's just weird, you know what I mean? Like, uh, Avengers built up to killing off Stark through 23 films. Spoiler alert, but everybody saw that movie. Uh, they earned the right to have that moment. This film did not. It, it, it tried to backtrack our motivations and philosophy about Superman to make him compassionate and so we could care, and then to have this moment, only so we know that he's going to come back. The last shot of the film is him. He's still alive. Are you kidding me? So we have this. He has to be. Yeah. The Jer- the Justice League is not much of a Justice League without Superman. Yeah, we have we haven't even gotten to that yet. So we have this crazy drawn out funeral in Metropolis and then in Smallville. 
And then, yeah, we have these lines between Bruce and Diana about, like, I won't fail him in death because I already failed him already. He was my friend. Yeah, my best bud. I need to find the others because something else is coming. And, ah, good. I'm just, like, it's just, it's too much. It's gone on for too long. They're playing with ideas and trying to set up so many plot threads that we are not even going to get to. And it just, to me, it feels unearned. We talked about the horse race that Marvel and DC played in the last episode when they were bankrupt at the time of Batman and Robin. Now here they are, and they're like, they're running full head of steam with the Civil War. They're into phase three at that point, and DC's like, oh my God, like. Not even in phase one. We're not even in like phase like. They haven't even done like the way Iron Man one ended with S.H.I.E.L.D. showing up saying, I have an idea, the Avengers initiative. No, they're in remedial English right now. Yeah trying to figure something out and trying to shoehorn as much in so they can play catch up. And the, the film shows it's, this has to be rise of Skywalker had a lot going on in it. This yeah. film, this has to be one of the most bloated convoluted films I've seen in a very, very long time. Right. And it's to play catch up, to go to a justice league that just gets crucified in its production and its release this film made more than Justice League. Are you kidding me? The film that has supposed to have The Flash and Aquaman and, oh, God, Cyborg. But your whole team should be a knockout. And it can't even be better than this one. There's a lot of places that they could have found along this three-hour journey or two-and-a-half-hour journey to weave in something that would allude to a culmination of a Justice League at the end. You could have had a scene, and I know it's a bad film, but hear me out on this. Okay. If you simplify this script, make this one film instead of 15 films, mm-hmm. and you find a way to work in a character that DC had already introduced, which is Green Lantern, mm-hmm. and I know that's not a great movie, but that's a great movie compared to this movie, and bring him back in a simple way, you do a couple things. You start to expand your roster organically with what you've already created, you create then, well, maybe that was just a bad moment for Green Lantern, and he's pretty good in that, so maybe there's some life in doing some Green Lantern stuff. And I'm not even a Green Lantern fan, but he was already established. And three, you create an organic organization, the Justice League, through what you've already developed. You're trying to tell me in these three hours, Mm -hmm. you can't have a scene where Green Lantern, the paragon protector of this sector that Earth is in, is not seeing the multiple blips on the radar for what is occurring with Doomsday? Or why can't that be your like end credit bit? And arrive as such. Think about how many outs that gave you. You've resurrected. And, and, and let's, get, let's get him here. Mm-hmm. Let's get him to the battle and have him sort of lend a hand. Because then we're starting the creation of a team that we care about. Because like you said, the way they're shoehorned in and the choice of Cyborg is just beyond questionable. That's so dumb. Yeah. No one cares about him. Got to have Wonder Woman Mm because you have to have that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've we've already kind of woven her in a little bit. Mm -hmm. I get the Aquaman argument because what that offers is a different world that's underwater and then a possibility because his legacy and his history in comics is so bad Mm -hmm. to kind of run with it the way that Marvel did Ant-Man or Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. And then we get to... Another character that we could have introduced that we didn't know. And it's Martian Manhunter. And I'm not advocating for him, but he can look like a human. Mm-hmm. So he's been there yeah. the whole time. And you you've already now you have a team. Yeah. 
I, and I don't know who he's going to be. I'd probably not make him Alfred, yeah. but it, someone in Perry White's office. Yeah. There's any number of places that you could have introduced that character and then, wait, what is that reporter guy doing here? Blah, blah, blah. It's Martian Man. Like you have now a team yeah. that offers more outs than flipping videos that you click on. <laughs> oh, look, there's a guy that held up a convenience. Oh, that seems so stupid. The Aquaman's bad too. Can I, can I tell you how I would have done it? I'd love to hear. I, I'm about taking the, the the long way, the long and winding road to get to something that can be good. The way Marvel did it. Okay. Man of Steel's your entry point. Then you do Batman versus Superman and kind of introduce this conflict and the death of Superman by Batman's hand. And now we have, I know you don't love the film, but now you have this cool seven samurai element where you're on a quest, this worldwide quest to find not through QuickTime files, but to organically find people that can rise to the occasion. Then we have a solo Wonder Woman film, a solo Flash film, a solo Green Lantern, a solo Aquaman. Establish the players. We don't need solo Batman because we know Batman. We get it. Then have them meet up and team up, and now we can care about something. And then in, in the crux of that, then you resurrect Superman through a natural process and we actually care about his return and his re re redemption and revival and the mending of the friendship between him and Bruce and, and this occasion. Instead, it's all just shit on. Well, you even have in his resurrection a villain for the next film, which is if you know the death of Superman, the follow-up to that is the rise of the Superman. Mm -hmm. And they didn't all end up being good. Yeah. So someone shows up claiming to take the mantle of the new Superman. He's not. And now you have a villain yeah. and a sourceable material to adapt from. I'm going to ask you a question, though. Okay. Not about that. Let's talk business for a minute. Okay. When the numbers were rolling in at Marvel on hit after hit after hit, and even the bad movies made money. Sure. Iron Man made money. Mm -hmm. Iron Man 3 made money. Iron Man's not a bad move. Iron Man 3 yeah, made money. The first one's good. Yeah. What were the executives at Warner Brothers doing? Because they had already locked down the rights to DC. Like, I guess my question is, as Hollywood is such a copycat industry, and this is hot, so now we need the same version, but in our stable, why were they... I, and I know that they had invested significant time and money into Batman, but mm -hmm. there's more than one lot, and they're sure, not even yeah. shooting on lot any. Like, what were they doing I don't know. that made them so late... So tardy to the party. Yo, what's up? Right? Why are they so behind? They're a decade behind on something that was generating money hand over fist year after year on every single one. I don't, what the F happened? Can I tell you some numbers for this film? Sure. You didn't answer that question because there's no answer. There is no answer. We're going to find it out. They, they weren't doing anything. I know. It's a, like, maybe it's rhetorical, but it shouldn't be because mm. there has to be. Well, you think your big franchises at Warner's at that time are Harry Potter and the the Batman stuff. Expand on DC's lore. You have all this whole bullpen of characters to pick from. I get that argument in 1940 where you have to be on the lot. Yeah. None of these are shot on lot. No, no, that's They're not. all on location. No, bad management. Okay, let's hear the numbers. Close to $300 million budget. $165 million for marketing. Actually set a box office record for its opening weekend for a March release. 160, I think $161 million. Not bad. But this film had one of the most historic second weekend drops in history. Like, I think 80% Friday to Friday. Wow. That's word of mouth. 
That's people running out and seeing it because, hey, Batman, Superman, I got to see this and be like, oh, shh, you don't don't go see that movie. Mm-hmm. That's word of mouth killing your film. Yep. It's like at a 25 on Rotten Tomatoes. Like it's abysmal. So that really sets you back. That's um, that's that's very five hundred thousand five hundred million dollar loss. Yeah, that's that that's really frustrating, especially when you have. So I I was salty last week, but you know when a film like Batman versus or Batman and Robin with Clooney, and it's kitschy and it's it's campy and it's got the Joel Schumacher flair to it. Like I kind of know what I'm getting. I'm more disappointed with this because of the potential to expand and do something of decency. That's just totally disrespected and just totally shit upon. I think time now more than ever to rate the film. So, Matt, we have Rock Gut and Rock Gut. <laughs> what are you going with? <laughs> so if we had last week's Rock Gut, which is Batman and Robin. Yeah. And that's singular Rock Gut. Yeah. Is this film worse? I think that film's bad, but it knows it's bad. I think this film's bad trying to be good. That's what I was going to say. I don't think this film is even self-aware enough to know how terrible it is. No. And again, I always go back to, did someone not on set say, man, maybe we should rein that in a minute? Like we had that conversation a lot, so I don't want to have it again today. Yeah. But I I think the premise still applies. Mm -hmm. Nobody had the good sense to tell Zack Snyder, dude, what in the hell are we doing? doing you gotta tone it down man and then that the money that it was costing to produce this if they remove the doomsday bit this movie doesn't suffer one bit and just make lex the villain yeah bet you they save 50 million dollars big time because that's a lot of cgi Mm -hmm. special effects ending sequence yep they didn't though and so because it's unaware of its own failures it's double rock gut it's worse Double barrel rock cut. Yeah. It's a rock gut blend. Yikes. Um, that's hard to say because Batman and Robin, that, that movie sucks. Mm-hmm. But that movie sucks and like it's at least kind of laughable. And Arnold knows with those one-liners, like this is so cheesy, but we're going to have to go with it. I think this w- movie doesn't even have <coughs> the ability to recognize its own failures and the many, many mm-hmm. failures that it presented. There's, there's not, what works? Can you name me one thing in this film that works? Like I said, the suit. I like the suit, but the suit's not the story. You know what I mean? The the nightmare sequence. I know you like as a one off, but in the no, I don't like the, the sequence. F- I like the suit. Yeah, the way it looks. Right. Yeah, yeah. So maybe, so maybe the argument is there's a couple visual moments. Yeah, maybe. But be the but visual ain't what a movie makes. It's got to have more to it. Yeah, it's. it's, it's I'm going rock. I'm man. going. I'm going rock too. Until you said it. We, at least we had a good time last week. Yeah. I thought we you know, enjoyed the ride as cheesy as it was and with the line delivery, and we had a good time. Like I was exhausted after I finished watching this. Like I felt like I had just been beat over the head with just monotony and just mediocre, mediocrity. It might be worse, and, it's, and that's a shame when this is supposed to be your jumping-off point to really establish yourself as a, as a powerhouse to compete with Marvel. When you turn out this product, there's no way they're going to run laps around you. And that's totally what they did. Mm-hmm. I think Batman and Robin could be like a really funny episode on mystery science theater 3000. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. This cannot. No, because it's not punchy. Like that film is it's serious. So serious. They're trying to be good. It is so profoundly bad in its seriousness. Like these monumental moments of like, this is really going to get the audience. We're going to deliver. Let's do a little monologue on man versus God. Let's do some stuff with moms. 
Let's have this over here. Yeah, you don't have the right team in place to explore any of that. I like 300. Yeah. And I know you hate Watchmen, the graphic novel, and, and, and the movie. I'm kind of okay with the movie and the graphic novel. So I just don't know. I don't know how this got to the to the point. But I remember I was like, I, I want to see these reviews come in for this film. And I was literally on my phone as the critic embargo like unleashed at 2 p.m. that like Tuesday before the film came out, which is a bad sign. And man, it was instantly in the 20s. And I was like, yikes, like how did they swing and miss so hard with this? I think that's funny that the the digital release that you watched is three hours long because it's just everything about this in a nutshell. Mm -hmm. It's not working, so let's do it bigger. Instead, you know, like two and a half hours wasn't enough to tell this movie, and it was bad. Maybe three hours of underdeveloped plot devices will be better. Yeah. And somebody said, yeah, I think so. Put the, I, rem- put, I have to tell you this. We're, we're at the store when that movie came out on DVD. Mm-hmm or Blu-ray mm-hmm. and they were advertising it. See the extended release. And I just remember my wife going like, Oh my God, there's a longer version of that. And you told me this morning, something that's so appropriate, Matt, I watched this movie. I felt like I watched six movies. Yeah. I had to watch it in three sittings because mm-hmm. it was just so arduously long. It and was you, getting, it, it felt <clears throat> late watching the movie. And you got a film like, it's interesting, like dark Knight rises, which is a longer movie. And I just, I don't feel the length with that film. You know what I mean? Yeah. Cause it's, it's more contained in what it's trying to say to me. Yeah. Bad movie. Rock gut is <laughs> double barrel rock gut. The drink was a little better this week. It wasn't as bad. The film was worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So let's wrap up this episode with the nightcap. You know, we had Batman versus Superman squaring off in civil war. We had Iron Man and Tony Stark and that works philosophically too, with those two characters it's happened so many times in the comics, whether it's Human Torch and this character or who, who and whatnot. So, Matt, if it were to ever happen again, which characters would you like to see face off? Can I cross universes? Yeah, go ahead. I want Namor and Aquaman to go at it. Ooh. I think it's cool the way it could be done underwater. That's a whole different scene we haven't seen. Fish versus Gill. Pacific versus Atlantic. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever see, what the hell's that movie? Um with the, uh, it's like the Transformers versus the monsters in the water. What is that? Pacific Rim. There you go. Yeah. Like imagine Pacific Rim sort of sort of styled. Mm-hmm. I don't want to dick around with any of the Godzilla military, but you have two opposing armies. I know they're in different universes, so it would never oh, happen. Yeah. And it's been tried and failed by Marvel and DC collectively together. Yeah. But I want to see those two guys go at it. They're essentially the same character. And I think that could be a lot of fun. Be a fun dream, yeah. Yeah. Battle under the sea. Under the sea. <laughs> right. <laughs> so there's my two. Excellent. I'm going to go, and it's been done in the comics. It was actually the first introduction of the character because I think you're making Bra- you're meeting Braun and Braun. Wolverine and the Hulk. You're in the same Marvel universe. I don't know how that looks on film or if that's any of the actors that have been established, but you know, you're playing with environment and wilderness at that point with a character like Wolverine and, you know, kind of the same thing with the Hulk, just kind of these characters facing off. I, I came up with this and I thought, I thought maybe like Flash and Quicksilver, but that sounds kind of stupid. Um, you know, sp- kind of space-based stuff with like Green Lantern. It's hard to find. I think they've done it with the characters they can do it with already. Batman and Superman, Iron Man and Cap, you know what I mean? I can't think of anything more prominent to really, other than... Like Avengers versus X-Men could be interesting. 
They did that actually. Not they did, yeah, in, in the comics, yeah. Um, Mid nineties, early two thousands, Justice League and Avengers did square off in a DC Marvel crossover, mm-hmm. and I think the biggest problem with that, it actually didn't deliver, is deciding who was going to square off against who. I think you ended up like, if you're going to take Batman, who's the opposite of Batman in the Marvel universe? Tony Stark. Or, okay, because I would actually say it's Daredevil. Yeah, that that's more close. Yeah. So let me give you another, like an impossible one. Who's going to square off against Green Lantern? Because Thor's going to eviscerate him. So it's got to be intergalactic. Yeah. So then now you're at the Guardians. They weren't even around when they did that. Yeah. And with the state of them now, like Quill? Yeah. No way. Mm-hmm. So you have some, there's some natural fits, obviously, Namor and Aquaman work. Sure. I think the Thing and the Hulk work, um, that's in the same universe. But like there's some natural yeah. pairings, but there's some that aren't. And man, that thing. Okay, so here's another one for you. Okay. Who does Spider-Man square off against? Isn't it Batman also? <laughs> so everybody ends up yeah. fighting Batman. Yeah, he doesn't have an equal, yeah. Obviously, it's Thor and Hulk. <coughs> okay, so here's another one. Who does Wonder Woman square off against? And you give me the Black Widow, I'm going to give you the same version of the my Spider, my Superman and Batman story. I was going to say maybe Wonder Woman would fit more with Thor just because of the, the whole regalness aspect. Okay. And they're, they're more godlike than the rest of the characters. So If you use her with him, then who takes on Superman? And don't tell me Cap. It can't be. It's because Cap's got to fight Batman. <laughs> exactly. Batman's fighting you see everybody. What I'm right. Superman's just taking a dump, man. <laughs> see the fun conversation that you and I are having right now. Mm-hmm. That's what this movie could have been if yeah. it had reined itself in a little sure. bit. Sure. Yeah. Because what ends up happening in that mm-hmm. is the two sides have to come together to fight the bigger baddie, mm-hmm. and that's eventually what happens in this movie too. But it is so serious in the decision of what X is going to do with counterpart of Y, Batman and Superman, that it takes all of the fun out of it. Yeah. At the end of the day, a movie is still designed to entertain, and there's any number of ways you can do that. Sure. How do you take this movie with the intergalactic and the lack of physics and all of the things that you don't have to adhere to that are normal life and make it such a slog, such a trudge, such a... a, a, an in, endeavorous ambition because you just want to go do about, you literally want to go do anything else and finish that film sure, last yeah. night. It's a bad, 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 bad statement. And that's why we gave it the terrible rating that we did. <laughs> so it's worse. At least Batman's fun, Jesse. Exactly. Stupid fun, but fun. Well, excellent. So we wrapped up this episode here. And next week we have the release of Birds of Prey. Matt, I'm hopeful, um, you know, if they're able to kind of rein it in and do a team-up film with a character that I thought actually worked a little bit in The Suicide Squad, which yeah. is a very bad movie. Um, I don't know. We'll see. I I think it could probably be better than these two films if it if it kind of, you know, controls its, its goals. You know what I mean? Yeah, okay. So let's hope mm-hmm. um, we do have some screwball and some grape soda left. So we've got plenty of outs if we need it, but I, I mean, would like to drink some rye next week. That would be as good. That would be good. If it's good, like we'll do a switcheroo. We won't tell anybody. Yeah. We'll just, the end. no, like maybe like in the middle, we'll just be like, you know what? This wasn't as bad as the la- last week. I'm oh. we're deserving of some rye. I like that of something. So yeah, I'm hopeful. It's going to have to be pretty bad to be worse than these two. Like it can't. Yeah. So Here's to that. So cheers, Matt. Cheers, Jesse. Uh, I got to get going. Like, (laughs) 
I don't want to, you know, look for kryptonite or, you know, see Jesse Eisenberg shove Jolly Ranchers in anybody's mouths ever again. Like, I'm actually kind of ashamed that I own this movie, but you know me, I'm a collector. I'm a completist. Man, I got this elephant in the room right here. So what does that say about me? <laughs> you are a diehard Batman fan. I am. I'm going to go to the gym because I have to take my sledgehammer and start banging on a tire because I'm going to fight God later today. <laughs> Excellent. We'll see you all next week. Everybody have a great week. We'll see you in the dark. Thank you for listening to Rye Smile Films. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to stay in the know for future episodes. And be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Stitcher. Tune in and leave us a comment at Productions at gmail.com. Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice is property of Warner Brothers Pictures, Cruel and Unusual Films, Atlas Entertainment, and DC Entertainment, and no copyright infringement is intended. Until next time, cheers. Did you find this bear? I'm a bit a little busy. This thing, this creature, seems to feed on energy. This thing is from another world. My world. I've killed things from other worlds before. She with you? I thought she was with you.